what are you going to do? No. No. People like me are like, uh-uh, you, you're going to tell me that there's no Grogu in this show for a whole season? I didn't say that. I said that we I'm would out. see his... What's up, everyone, and welcome to the weekly Q&A. For our first question, Nane214 asks, whose ship Keller and Beck used to escape Coruscant? Is it Jar Jar's? <laughs> that's, that's the thing, is they answer one question and they give us another one to keep us speculating for another two years, probably. <laughs> whose ship is that? Where are they going? What are they doing? Um, it, it, it definitely seems like it's someone from Naboo that would own that ship. I mean, isn't like a senator's ship... Like, that's the kind of ship that is? I think so. I mean, it could just be a Nubian shuttle. Like, Padme, at the beginning of Attack of the Clones, had the big old barge that she came in on. But mm -hmm. throughout the rest of Attack of the Clones and the Clone Wars, she uses that smaller ship. So I, I think the the safe money would be on Padme. If I were to make a bet, it, it seems like maybe she could have seen we, we know she saw the jedi temple burning so maybe she sent some people to investigate just like bail organa did one of them met keller and beck and they were like hey we'll set up a, a getaway point for you mm -hmm. just bring as many as you can i do like that idea i've i've seen a lot of people porn, point out that like her reaction in revenge of the sith is so genuine that she doesn't really know what's going on so would she have had time to put like something like that together i'm not sure but it's just a quick phone call i think just text sure. uh, text an a to be like hey my husband's at the jedi temple can you go figure out what's happening yeah and then it snowballs from there <laughs> like yeah. i don't know that she was like get a ship and save as many children as you can i could see her being like please go find out what's going on mm -hmm. and then all of those security officers took it upon themselves to be like uh, we just met Keller and Beck, but he seems like a great guy, and uh, we're going to help him out. Yeah. I mean, I do like the idea, though, that Keller and Beck has connections to someone on Naboo. Sure. And Now, if that is someone is, is, it is Jar Jar, I'm down. I, you know, I, I can't really decide. I think that it would feel a little too far into the fan service arena where it's like Ahmed Best having a scene with Ahmed Best but if it happened I'd be like all right I love it <laughs> I did say on stream the other night that if we ever get Ahmed Best and Jar Jar high-fiving in a scene in a Star War I'm done I well, I think I the universe would explode I wouldn't need any more Star War after that <laughs> like something in my brain would just shut down in a good way yeah it uh, it, it, it would be crazy to have Ahmed Best and this character that now everyone is celebrating, uh, and then he shares a scene with the character that people piled hate on <laughs> 20 years ago, uh, undeserved hate, and to to bring that full circle, there there is something about that I like. Yeah, um, we've we've heard some other really interesting theories though too. Sabe Sabe. Yeah. Sabe. <laughs> <laughs> the little, little Sabe. Little I think Sabe. Sabe sent some help. Uh. I didn't even think about Sabe being an option, but she's had so much to do in the books and the comics. She has every right to be involved in this and, and want to be the one to send a ship to help. I, I'm going to push back on it now that I've thought about it for a day, just because Sabe seemed to be completely in the dark at the end of the book Queen's Hope. Um, but Or Queen's Shadow, sorry. That she was just like, I have no idea what happened. 
but that doesn't mean that she couldn't have helped out. She was helping slaves escape Tatooine uh, with the the White Sons. Whether or not that was directly with Baru or not, we don't know yet. But mm-hmm. like, she is just a helper. She's always helping people. So that, yeah. and she was a spy of sorts. So maybe she could have heard some inside information. I don't know. And. You know, there's all a ton of other characters that could have somehow been involved. Bail Organa comes to mind, could have had a hand in it somehow. It's just hard to say because... Uh, honestly, that... I, I'd like to pause there because I think that's a good point. He did go to the Jedi Temple. Yeah. He may have known Keller and Beck. Like, he definitely saw what was happening, so he may have made some phone calls himself and just to all of his political allies whether or not padme was in the know but he could have just called someone from naboo and been like send a ship yeah or yoda for that matter because yoda was always training younglings so i'm sure he knew keller and beck closely well yeah but he was busy being attacked on kashik sure <laughs> so i don't think he I, maybe from the escape pod can t- send a text message at any time yeah. apparently so he, yeah he was riding on chewy's back like he had his hands free yeah <laughs> he can do a walk and text <laughs> It's just so hard to say because that moment in Star Wars history is so chaotic Yeah, that it's like, who had the time to say, send Keller and Beck this ship yeah. to take them somewhere? That's like, why I'm like, the fact that it's a Nubian ship is definitely a choice. And we saw the, the Naboo guards. So are they going to Naboo or was it just like, a here's a ship, go get out of here. I don't know. We're probably going to have to wait. I, I hope we see more Grogu flashbacks this season, but I won't be surprised if we have to wait a while yeah. again. <laughs> classic Star Wars fans, you know, we're like, okay, great. Now we know that. Where did they go? Uh-huh. I have to know where'd they go after that. And it, Well, they did that on purpose. John Favreau, you know what you did. Or Dave Filoni. Always gonna... I guess Dave Filoni wrote that part. That's mm. my assumption. So Dave Filoni, you know what you did. You were it, it, very Dave thing to do. Like, here's your answer. Here's a new question. Bye. Bye. <laughs> See you in two years. <laughs> Ormapa wants to know our final predictions for the season finale of The Bad Batch. I wanted to take this question because we can actually participate. We we were very lucky. We got the screeners for The Bad Batch. Much appreciated, especially with The Bad Batch and The Mandalorian at the same time. Uh, but we have not seen the final two episodes. So no we get to make predictions right alongside everyone else. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, my prediction is that they're going to need a lot of help on Pabu rebuilding everything. And so that will be the safe haven for the clones to go to. Oh, you think we're going to do that like in the last two episodes, these next two episodes? Hard to say, but I, I want, part of me wants that to be the end game for just knowing that some of the, the clones can have this safe place to go and live out their lives there well let me ask you this do you think it's the final season do you think there will only be two seasons of this show no i don't either i think there could be one more season and whether or not it's a full length season i don't know but it's it's hard to say because like you they could end this here at the second season they could but it might feel a little rushed towards the end here well i kind of wonder if they gave themselves a potential out like I've, I've heard some of the cast of star wars resistance talk before about how season two was not the end 
of the series, but then the the advent of Disney Plus meant that they were going to shift things to there. I don't know why they wouldn't just shift that show over to Disney Plus, but that affected things. But still, season two, I feel like ends on a a satisfying note for, for people who watched the show. So mm-hmm. I, I do think it's possible that Pabu could have been introduced so that they could end the season. Like maybe they record multiple endings for like in case this is the series finale we'll use this one if it's not we'll use this one yeah could be i i at least hope that there's one more season i'm yeah i think i'm ready for some more i'm enjoying it so and as far as crosshair goes i i have no idea what's gonna happen there i i get the feeling that the classic star wars end for him is to go out like a hero (laughs) saving the bad batch somehow but I don't want him to die. That's my prediction is that they are reunited. I think having the entire Bad Batch back together and also being like, let's join Rex's network of rogue clones uh, so the Echo is back in the fold too. And then we get all of them together, like teaming up with Regs, who they kind of didn't like in season one and the Regs didn't like them, but now they're all like, hey, we're all clones. We should all work together. Mm. Feels very Mandalorian as well. It's like, you know, we're, we're all clones. We shouldn't go down, like, make divisions within ourselves. We need to fight for the betterment of everyone. Yeah. Let's let's get the clones all together on Mount Tantus, have them set the Zillow Beast loose on everyone there, and then just leave. And then just leave. Yeah. <laughs> the the Zillow Beast being there. Okay. I, I, I think my more wild prediction will be that the Zillow Beast returns again. That's my hope. I, I don't want Hemlock to die yet. We've only had two episodes with him. I think he's a really cool villain. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see him more in season three. He's super evil. Yeah. I love that scene of him just waltzing into the poison neurotoxin, which... Yeah, Scarecrow uh, vibes. <laughs> which I didn't know this when I recorded the review for that episode, but someone pointed out in one of our live streams that like Hemlock is a poison mm-hmm. in, in the real world. So such a fitting name. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, I really like that villain and want to keep him around. What do you think about Omega's uh, future of this story? I think she just stays with the Batch. Wherever they go, she goes. She's part of this family. Mm -hmm. She's part of clone kind. Yeah. It it goes along with how I just want them to be able to settle down on Pabu for a little while. (laughs) And she she can have friends her own age and be a kid for for a while. Those episodes on Pabu, those scenes, especially in... tipping point episode like they're just so nice to see them all being happy and useful and helpful wrecker's having the time of his life like fixing things Mm -hmm. and fishing and then he's like immediately going off to do more manual labor just having a blast and it's so nice tech can get together with fee and then that could be their way of like anytime they want to go off on an adventure they've got fee there to take them places especially omega she loves fee I'm going to guess, here's a, an Omega prediction for the finale. She has to fly them out. Oh, because she she did the tech turn or whatever? Yeah, yeah, since we got specific scenes showing flying lessons. Yeah. Let's see her. Uh, like, tech's probably not happy about it, but he needs to be on the ground. Omega needs to be the one flying the ship. They all have to put their trust in her, but she's ready. Yeah. It'll be a bumpy ride, but it'll be good. Oh, okay. <laughs> what about Gonky? 
I mean, he's, <laughs> he's got to stay with them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying he's going to go away, but like, will he get to do anything heroic? He's had a limited role this season. Hmm. Not that it was an expansive role in season one. Well, but... he helped when the, the ship got stolen. Uh-huh. So that was That's, pretty heroic already. Can, can he? Well, he just kind of stood there, and they were able to track him. Well, I'd love to see Gonky do something. I don't know what a walking battery could do, but I'd like to see him try. Heroes come in all shapes and sizes. Mm-hmm. Rick Villanueva asks if the armorer could be making secret trips to Mandalore to collect living water. So we know that she has had some in the past. Mm-hmm. Is she? Is she just using the same reserve over and over, or does she know that Mandalore is not poisoned? I think she's got a guy. <laughs> Who's that? I don't know. Well, then that's like that's the same thing that I'm, she. I'm kidding, but like uh, <laughs> maybe she knows a guy who knows a guy who like goes there every once in a while. But then I think that's like she <laughs> would she would know that someone can be on Mandalore. I think she might actually already know that but not because she's taking secret trips to yeah. get water but i guess that's what the question really is does yeah. she know and is she hiding that information yeah because do we know that she has to use a drop of it every time she makes a piece of armor so i think that is the ore like that's what makes beskar what it is because uh, that's what Bo-Katan said that the living waters gave our ancestors the ore to make Beskar. So I guess the living water I do think is a necessary component, or maybe it's not, and it's just part of a ritual. Could be. I mean, I I just assumed that she had a bunch of those little vials packed away. (laughs) Yeah. I guess that was my assumption as well, but it's been a long time. It's been 10 years, I think, about since Mandalore was bombed i wouldn't know like i wouldn't think that the other people in the covert would be like oh yeah the armor just went off on a little secret trip well we don't know back in a couple days in season two she just wasn't around so she could have had some time to run back over she was hiding Uh uh-huh collect yeah hiding on mandalore (laughs) collecting living water or she or she just put like blue dye in the in some water yeah and she's like oh Living water. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess right now, I think I'm on the opposite side. I think that she actually does believe that Mandalore is cursed. You can't go back. Because I kind of want that to be a sticking point where Din said, that's a lie to keep us in exile, mm-hmm. which, which it could be a lie perpetuated by her and be like, this is a lie to keep me in power and mm-hmm. keep them under control. Like, you have nowhere to go. But... I, I keep going back and forth on her about how manipulative is she really? Yeah. I keep thinking that she is more nefarious than she is being presented. She's one of, or maybe the only character in this show right now that is sincerely kind of frustrating for me because we, we've known her since the beginning and we don't know what she wants. We don't know what her motivations are. We don't know so much about her. And it's like, okay, we get it. Let's let's move it along. Yeah. It makes her compelling. But yeah, I would like some answers at some point. Someone's got to make some armor for her. So then she can have a flashback. Ooh, That's like, sit her down. Have Din stumble his way through the forge. Just so we can see. 
yeah the past i i said this on the other the stream the other night that maybe uh that forge room is the new back to tank mm -hmm. from boba book of boba fett where every time we go there we get some flashbacks so i think you're right i think john favreau loves the the flashback storytelling although i don't think he did it in season two at all to be fair i'm loving it too like i mean we got grogu's story i hope that we get to see some flashbacks of bo katan who knows armor would be great yeah i loved the most recent flashback Ryan Hartley wants to know, what was Din up to during the Galactic Civil War? We don't know. There have been no details about that. Um, for now, I'm going to assume that he was just still training as part of uh, the Children of the Watch. Hmm. I, how, we don't know how old he would have been, right? Uh, let's say he was 10 when he was picked up by Death Watch. Mm-hmm. If that were at the start of the Clone Wars, then he would be 13 when the Empire rose to power. That would make him, I guess, 33 when we, about 32, when we get to A New Hope. So then where was he during all that time? Probably just being a bounty hunter. Like, yeah, that's what I was going to say. He he was pretty familiar with the guild, the Bounty Hunters Guild, and all the famous bounty hunters that bounty hunted. Uh, so I, I assume it was just that he was just taking odd jobs and didn't want to get involved in the big fight. Yeah, but like it makes sense that he didn't take the call from the executor when they were like, we're looking for the Millennium Falcon. And I, I don't think he would have taken jobs from the Empire after they bombed the planet. Mm -hmm. uh, he didn't have his shiny new set of armor at that point so well, it was probably still looking pretty good it was brown but vader is probably it looked like, okay nah i want boba fett yeah he's like i've already got one <laughs> <laughs> but yeah since so he did say that he lived on concordia they survived mandalore's destruction because that's where they were from that point forward i think they were just trying to survive he was probably a bounty hunter but he didn't work for the empire because i think him not wanting imperial credits in episode one mm. was probably not a new thing i think he was always like no i'm not working for the empire i have an idea okay the reason why uh vader didn't want him and wanted boba fett instead was that vader had hired him before and he did disintegrate whoever the the end goal was for him to capture and so that's why vader's like no disintegration he thought boba fett was din Djarin. Uh, not necessarily. He I, just I, I'm is, just building off of that. He makes assumptions that all Mandalorians are going to mm, do that. Yeah. Because that's their thing. Yeah. But Boba Fett is like, as you wish, fine. Yeah. It'd be funny if he was just like, that wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> Shaq Fu asks for one thing that we appreciate about Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Still going to try to pull in a couple of indie questions here or there as we approach June 30th. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the best thing that I, my favorite thing about Indy and the Crystal Skull, I think is the motorcycle chase scene through the college. I remember watching that in the theater and being like, this is dope. Uh, there's a scene where Indy is on the back of Mutt's bike. He gets pulled into a car and then he fights his way to the other side of the car. Mutt drives around the car and then he gets back on the motorcycle and it's all in one take. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's such a fun shot. I wish I remembered more from this movie. That's I so. was I was gonna I did not prep you for this question specifically because I wanted to see if you could even remember something from it. Uh, 
I will say my answer is Karen Allen. Yeah. Period. No, I think that's great. <laughs> Just having her back was really nice. Totally agree. Aliens, too. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, technically, they're interdimensional beings, Molly. Not aliens? No. What's the difference? They live in the space between spaces. <gasps> they live in the world between worlds? Space between spaces. Completely Ooh, different. No, same thing. That's my headcanon now. <laughs> <laughs> On to YouTube questions. Jedi Spartan 38 wants to know if Gideon was officially promoted to the rank of Moff, or did he give the title to himself? I think he was officially a Moff in the Empire. I, I definitely think that there were people who promoted themselves after the fact. Uh, I believe that's what uh, Warlord Zinge did in Legends. Just Warlords being like, I'm going to take this rank and that rank and no one can stop me. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I get the sense that Gideon was a Moff because Din knew who he was. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't think he would have just given himself that title. He seems to have a big enough reputation from everyone that he probably worked hard to get there. The fact that he, Din goes, that's Moff Gideon, and he knew it was him because Gideon knew Din's real name, like, that's telling. I think there's more to find out there, uh, but it's not like Din said, oh, that's Captain Gideon, and he's like, actually, it's Moff now. <laughs> Also, if you're going to promote yourself, why not just call yourself Grand Moff Gideon? Sure. Matthew Kelly asks, if the Mandalorian episodes of the Book of Boba Fett were meant to prepare us for episodes like The Convert in The Mandalorian. Where we kind of take a break from the main storyline. We go over here. We, we follow Din for a full episode of The Mandalorian. And then for almost a full episode, half of an episode of The Mandalorian, uh, we follow uh, Pershing and Elia Kane. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that Jon Favreau did that in the Book of Boba Fett. Like, I'm going to get these fans ready. Uh, like, inadvertently, yes. That's what I think we should expect from now on. It's just the Mandoverse is telling a large story in the galaxy. And it's mostly focused on Din Djarin. But occasionally it's going to go over here mm -hmm. and and give us information we need. Like, I don't see how people can watch the New Republic episode and then say, well, that didn't tell us anything. It's like, that's all going to be important. Yeah. I always thought that those episodes in Book of Boba Fett, those were like uh, Lion King 1.5. Right. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I feel like when they're storyboarding these shows out, they're always they're constantly trying to shift things around and figure out where do we want this to start and end. And like, how are we going to break up these episodes? So yeah, I think part of it was that they wanted to fill in a couple of gaps in Book of Boba Fett before we start season three, because they couldn't fit it into season three with all the other stuff that they wanted to do. Yeah. And, and my tinfoil hat behind the scenes theory is that Book of Boba Fett, like they, they said, uh, right people reported that Lucasfilm was referring to it as like the Mandalorian 2.5 and that I, my tinfoil hat theory is that Pedro Pascal got real busy. He was off doing the last of us and he wasn't going to be as available. So they just shifted a little bit. Filling in the gaps of Boba Fett's story is something that star Wars fans would be interested in. So instead of doing Mando season three, I think they just went with the Boba Fett. Yeah. Show. And I think we'll 
go back and revisit Boba Fett and yeah. what's happening on Tatooine at some point, whether it's Boba Fett season two or if it's part of the Mandalorian. And because we keep going back to these places that we've already been to and already seen play out. So, yeah, s- somehow I think Tatooine and Boba Fett will come into play in Den's journey. Yeah. But like, I, I do get, I-, I see what you're saying in that. I, I think those episodes of Book of Boba Fett prepared me that just like, okay, there are different series within this universe, but the Mandoverse is just like one big show. Yeah. And when we get to Ahsoka, I'm not going to be surprised <laughs> if Din Djarin is back for an episode or if, if for some reason Boba Fett is here to help out. Same with Skeleton Crew. Like, I think all of these series are going to occasionally diverge to build up the larger story yeah. of, of this era. I mean, the stuff like that gets me really excited. I I know a lot of people don't like it when there's that many crossover events, but like it just brings me back to Buffy and Angel. Whenever a character <laughs> from one show would pop up in the other show and there would be a crossover, very exciting. Yeah, and I think those episodes of The Mandalorian or The Book of Boba Fett are my favorite episodes of that series. I, I really liked two. Um, but the Tuscan Raiders really is what makes that show special. But the Mando <laughs> stuff was so fun. Yeah, well, the Tuscan Raiders, like, it was disappointing when they got taken out. And then to go back and have the Mandalorian with the N1 and all that stuff, like, it does feel very much like things they would have explored in the Mandalorian season three of... Life without Grogu, what does that look like? And Grogu's life without Din. And I think they just kind of compressed it all into two episodes instead of an entire season, mm-hmm. which I do think it would have been cool to see them apart for an entire season. But what are you going to do? No. No. People like me are like, uh-uh, you, you're going to tell me that there's no Grogu in this show for a whole season? I didn't say that. I said that we I'm would out. see his training with Luke. I'm out. <laughs> We'll we'll go back and forth. There'd be a Din episode, then a Grogu episode, back and forth, and maybe by episode five or six, they they, they reunite. Couldn't afford to do that much, Luke. <laughs> it's like all shots from the back of his head. <laughs> MC Lego Boy wants to know what the relationship is between Pre and Paz Bizla. Father, son, uh, uncle, nephew, brothers. What do you think? Oh, I, I had heard you say that it was father-son in the past, so I just assumed that's what it was. Oh, I'm just throwing it out there. Ah. I'm gonna, I do think my gut says father-son. Sure. I, I feel like that would lead to a conversation with Bo-Katan, but it hasn't yet. Well, like, Paz Vizsla may have been very sheltered. Like, Pre Vizsla may have had a son and immediately just tossed him into the Children of the Watch. Like, it, it is possible that Paz could be Pre Vizsla's son and have no idea who Bo-Katan is. I find that unlikely. And I do want him to just be like, hey, you knew my dad. But that <laughs> who knows? That actually, I like that because that would mean, or that would that would check out for how Paz is acting now with, that, with his son. He was willing to do anything to get his son back. We still don't know if that was his biological son or not. But if he had an absent father then he would maybe want to make up for that by being a super cool dad that would save you from dinosaurs. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That'll make Ragnar love me. <laughs> Michael Ramon asks if the parallels between the decommissioned clones in the Bad Batch and the ex-imperials in the Mandalorian are on purpose. 
I think it's like a happy accident more than anything. But, you know, Dave Filoni has involvement in the animation world. He's not like the showrunner for The Bad Batch, but I think he definitely knows what's going on there. And the fact that that show is supposed to come out much earlier and it's probably been in production for a while, I could see him saying like, hey, there's a chance here to show some ex-imperials and how they're treated compared to how, which I would say is better than how the Empire treated the clones. And that the ex-imperials do say like, oh, this is not how the Empire would have handled it. Yeah. I mean, I just think it's a great way to use these characters in your storytelling to portray what this time period was like in, in between, you know, the, the big chunks of time where someone big is in charge, right? Between the, the transitions the, of power. Yeah. Like between the New Republic, between the Empire, uh, and so on. Like, I think it's it's cool to have characters like this to show, like, what stuff was like uh, in that transitional period and how difficult it was. Yeah. And I think that it's worth pointing out that the New Republic is not doing it perfectly. And I was disappointed with that whole portrayal. I really don't like that they give all of their amnesty uh, people number and letter designations. But they are still treating them mostly like people instead of the clones where it's like, well, your purpose has been served and we are going to throw you in the garbage now. Goodbye. Well, yeah. I mean, the empire is awful. Yeah. <laughs> and they encourage the people working there to be awful, uh, especially to something to, to someone like a clone or a group of clones where they just like don't know what to do with them. They just want to get rid of them. Uh, and then the New Republic... You know, it, they're not perfect. Nope. I did not expect them to be perfect, and but they're trying to put on a, a good show for everyone and make everything look all nice and neat. So, yeah, it's it's looking good on paper, uh, but it's got some dark undertones. Yeah, it looks sure. great in the opera house when you have Dr. Pershing give a speech about how his work is going to now help the New Republic, and then the reality is he's doing busy work, and he's not allowed to continue yeah. uh, his work. All those people, all those, like, stuffy rich people were like, oh, thank goodness you're on our side now. Yeah, like, you're so smart, and we're happy to have you. But, yeah, he's not using his intelligence for anything except filing. And yeah. that's that's the sad truth that those people don't know or care about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I don't know if it was on purpose. I think it's just there's a lot of parallels in Star Wars just because they all explore very similar themes. And you can point at the Bad Batch and also Andor and the Mandalorian and Andor. Like you can find connections between all the shows no matter how different their tone is or the genre or whatever uh it's still star wars so yeah. i think it's the parallels are always kind of on purpose even if no one in the writer's room was like hey you know what we should do <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah i mean parallels are gonna happen all the time it, history repeats itself in real life so i imagine it's going to continue to do that in star wars i feel like we kept dancing around saying it's like poetry it rhymes but people are going to say it in the comments so i might as well just say it here well i was thinking of the the battle star line this has all happened before and it will happen again yeah 
That's all the time we have for questions today. If you want to leave a question for next week's video, just put it in the comments below or sign up for Patreon to join our weekly Q&A discussion. If you haven't already, please like this video, subscribe to the channel, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And as always, thanks for watching, and may the Force be with you.